Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. We want to be careful as the people of God that, one, we don't get distant from the Lord, that we don't weigh heavily the counsel of men and people and don't seek the Lord. Make sure you're seeking the Lord. I know Christians that weigh doctor's counsel too high. You need to go seek the Lord. You need to get God's counsel on certain things. There are places where God's counsel is what we need. The world will have people that go to school and learn. And they'll tell you what they want to put you in their system, put you in their program. Don't have faith in that. Have faith in God. When there's something that you really don't want to do, how do you handle it? Do you push it off until it's too late? Ignore it completely? Facing difficult situations can be one of the most frustrating things we have to deal with in life. And today, Pastor Bill wants you to know that letting God take control is the most freeing thing you can do to deal with these difficult situations. When you surrender to God and live in the path that He has laid out, you don't have to face conflict alone. Let God take your burdens. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Judges chapter 20 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. They said, which of us shall go up first to battle against the children of Benjamin? And the Lord said, Judah first. So it looks good. They pray. Yay. But this prayer, they, this is what they've already concluded. We've already concluded that we're going. We've already concluded that we're going to go up in ranks and that we're not all going at the same time. But we're going to break down in the ranks. And so we've already decided that much without you, God. But now that we've decided that we're going to go to war against them, that we're going to go up a tribe at a time. Now we're coming to ask you take our plan. Which tribe should go up first, Lord? You know, that's what's wrong. And I, I, I want to point that out to us because it's going to look like God left them hanging because they're going to go up and get mollywhopped. And it's like, well, they prayed, though. Yeah, but you prayed the wrong prayer, the wrong way at the wrong time. They should have prayed when they first got together and said, Lord, what do you want us to do about this? They've already met. They said, let's take counsel of ourselves. They did that. The counsel that they came up with was that we're going to go to war against them. We're going to go up one tribe at a time. Now we're asking God, Lord, which one of us should go up first? Now, I got to point this out, too. Even though what they're doing now seems right, are they right with God? No. Israel is, as a whole is not right with the Lord. These guys aren't saying, God, we need to get right with you because look at what's happening around us. Right. They're saying, look at what they did. They need to die and we're going to go and punish them without them getting right with God themselves. God's not going to honor this. And so um, we want to be careful when whenever sinners are governing other sinners, it could just be really messy. And that's what this is right here. You're looking at people that are not right with God themselves. They say, well, you did a more not right with God thing. than We're just not right with God regular. But you're not right with God in, in, a, in an exaggerated way. So you need to die for what you did. And, you know, that's 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 what people do. What will guard us from this? Because we're going to see lots of wrong happen around us. I am thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly convinced that the man or the woman that spends regular personal time with the Lord is a lot gentler in how they handle other people. You know what happens when you spend time with the Lord daily? Is you stay aware of how much work is yet to be done in your life. It just keep, it keeps you low in a good way. Keep you humble. When you find somebody really, really high on their horse, you know one thing, they haven't been with Jesus. They haven't been. You find somebody high up on the horse and, and they haven't spent enough time 
with the Lord. Anybody here go get next to Jesus. The closer you get to Jesus, the more aware of the unfinished work in your life you will be. And it'll cause you to view other people and their failures differently. Not that you won't see it, not that you won't be dealing with it, but you'll see it different than you will if you feel like you all that. I'm good. I got mine. You know, I've been church, you know, whatever it is, it makes us feel like we got it. Um, be careful. Be careful about that kind of mindset. So, so they inquired of the Lord, which seemed good, but I just think that the way they did it was they should have asked God, Lord, what to do? What do you want us to do? Before we come up with a single plan, uh, they should have been asking God what to do. And I would give that to you and I as counsel. You know, if you got things that you have to take care of, plans that are going to be made, go to God first. Right before you come up with a plan, before you come up, Lord, this is what's happening. This is what I'm thinking. But I want to lay it out to you. What do you think? What do you say? I, w- I want you to be leading from the get. Direct my steps, Lord, and let the Lord direct you. Take advantage of the privilege of prayer that you have as a believer. Verse 19 It says, so the children of Israel rose in the morning and encamped against Gibeah and the men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin and the men of Israel put themselves in battle array to fight against against them at Gibeah. Then the children of Benjamin came out of Gibeah and on that day cut down to the ground 22,000 men of the Israelites. And so. Um, they go out to this first battle and the Israelites who are getting ready to go put judgment on the wicked, carnal, nasty, perverted Benjamites go out and 22,000 men die. They lose. And again, somebody would read that and say, but they prayed. How did they, what happened? What, what happened? They prayed. Why did they lose? You know, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. I just want you to remember the, that prayer was not, that prayer was, it wasn't what it needed to be. Verse 22. And the people, that is, the men of Israel, encouraged themselves and again formed the battle line at the place where they had put themselves in array on the first day. And I want you to know here again, they got 22,000 people died. I would think that'd be a great time to say, Lord, are we, are we missing something here? 22,000 dead. Lord, do you want us to go at all? You know, we want to revisit this whole thing. You know what they did? They encouraged themselves. They got together and had a pep talk. They got together and somebody said, guys, as much as stand up like men, somebody gave a real good speech. They encouraged themselves. It doesn't even say like David that he encouraged himself in the Lord. It just says that they they got together and they encouraged themselves at this point. I'm sorry. They encouraged themselves. And again, they formed the battle line as at first. Now, verse 23, it says, then the children of Israel went up again and they wept before the Lord until evening. So there's brokenness is beginning and they asked counsel of the Lord saying, shall I again draw near for battle against the children of my brother, Benjamin? And the Lord said, go against him. So this time they said, it's almost like they're getting a hint. Like, should we go up again and battle against our brother, Benjamin? Um, There's brokenness. They're crying. They're sorrowful. And I'm going to give you my thoughts up front. I believe God is disciplined in both groups. Right. They're they're not innocent. And even though they're going to war and and looks like they're praying, they're saying, God, go with us to defeat, to to punish them. God is like, you guys are being punished as well. Everybody is guilty here. And so even though they're praying and God says, yeah, go ahead and go. You have to read that and say, because they're going to be some more deaths. First, 22,000. Then there's going to be 18,000. Right. Then they'll finally get a win and we'll see what brings about the win. But they go up now and God said, yeah, go ahead and go. 
And God is telling them, go ahead, go ahead and go lose, right? Because he's punishing them at the same time. So look at verse 24. So the children of Israel went up, went, uh, children of Israel approached the children of Benjamin on the second day. And Benjamin went out against them from Gibeah on the second day and cut down to the ground 18,000 more of the children of Israel. All these drew the sword. So first time the Israelites lose 22,000, that's a big dip. And the second time they lose 18,000. Um, and all of these were men that drew the sword. These are 18,000, you know, swordsmen, warriors are killed in battle. And so the death count is... is um, it's, it's 22 and 18. What is that? 40, 40,000. <laughs> Making sure I got my math. All right. So 40,000 people are dead. Verse 28. Then all the children of Israel, that is all the people went up and they came to the house of God and they wept and they sat there before the Lord and they fasted that day. Do you guys notice a trend? First, they didn't pray. Right. Then they prayed, but they kind of said, God, listen, this is our game plan. Uh, which one you want us to go? Then they prayed. They were broken. They, there was brokenness. There were some tears. And they prayed. To, do, do you want us to go again against our brother? And they, they went. This time, they're crying. They're seeking the Lord. They're fasting. And they're praying. And they're offering burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. They're getting closer. God, they're, they're, there are things that God had prescribed that people needed to do to get right with him. These guys were running off, off in the battle without getting right with the Lord. Um, and dying left and right. And so now they're like, well, hold on. Wait, let's, let's, let's revamp again. Let's seek the Lord. Let's fast. Let's pray. Let's offer sacrifice. Let's do all the stuff we know we're supposed to do um, to get us right with God so we could, so God would be with us. Because God's not with us, obviously. We didn't lose 22,000 to 18,000 because God was with us. And so uh, it's like they're getting it slowly. Verse 27 so the children of Israel inquired of the Lord. The Ark of the Covenant of God was there in those days. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, stood before it uh, in those days, saying, Shall I yet again go out to the battle against the children of my brother Benjamin, or shall I cease? And they're, they're at, they're like, Should we go up against us, or should we just stop? We're open to whatever you want, Lord. And the Lord said, and I want you to note the difference. He said, Go up. For tomorrow, I will deliver them into your hand. This time they get to go. They're commanded to go and promised that God will be with them. Go up. Tomorrow, I'm going to deliver you, them into your hands. And this is the first time that they have that, right? You go back and look at the book of Joshua. Every time Joshua went, except for once, the one time he didn't see God. Every time he went, he went with the word of the Lord and the promise that God was with him, the promise that God would deliver, the promise that he would have victory. The one time he didn't was the first trip to Ai, where he didn't seek the Lord, but he talked to the people. And the people said, oh, man, don't worry, all the people, man. We, we whooped the Ai smaller than Jericho, man. Just send up a few people. And he took counsel from men, and they went up there and got whomped. And then they had sin in the camp, and they dealt with that. And all this stuff that could have been prevented had they sought the Lord first. He learned a lesson, sought the Lord, dealt with the sin in the camp. And then God said, now go up to Ai. Uh, now I'm going to be with you. And they went up and they whooped them. And the difference was nothing had changed other than the Lord being with them was everything that made all the difference in the world. And so we see here with them that when the Lord is not with them, no matter how you array yourself, how many people you got, how prepared you seem to be, how united everybody is. If the Lord is not with you, you don't want to be at war without the Lord. Amen. Amen. That's whole truth for all of us. Right. right. 
Think about the things that you are passionate about, that you're spending energy on, that you're pressing into. For Make sure that God's with you. Make sure that God's the one leading it. Make sure that because you don't want to be in the thick without God. If you, I'll, I'll be at war as long as God is with me. But you don't want to be at war and, and looking over your shoulder and like, I don't even know God called me to this. Don't, don't be in a war that God didn't call you to with people that God didn't call you to be at war with. Amen. And so now in verse 29, God promised them. Then Israel set men in ambush all around Gibeah. And the children of Israel went up against the children of Benjamin on the third day and put themselves in battle array against Gibeah as far um, as at other times. So the children of Benjamin went out against the people and were drawn away from the city. They began to strike down and kill some of the people as at other times in the highways one which goes up to Bethel and the other to Gibeah and in the field about 30 men of Israel. And the children of Benjamin said, they are defeated before us as at first. But the children of Israel said, let us flee and draw away from the city uh, to the highway. So they're they're going to use ambush to lure them away and trick them. Verse 33. So all the men of Israel rose from their place, put themselves in battle array at Baal Tamar. Then Israel's men um, in ambush, burst forth from their position in the plain of Gibeah, and ten thousand select men from all Israel came against Gibeah, and the battle was fierce. But the Benjamin Benjamites did not know the disaster was upon them. Now, note verse thirty-five: the Lord defeated Benjamin before Israel, and the children of Israel destroyed that day twenty-five thousand one hundred Benjamites. All those um, drew the sword. So the children of Benjamin saw that they were defeated. The men of Israel had given ground to the Benjamites because they relied on the men in ambush whom they had set. And I, I was even that it, it says uh, when Benjamin saw that they were defeated, the men of Israel had given ground to the Benjamites because they relied on the men in ambush whom they had set there. And the men in ambush quickly rushed upon Gibeah. The men in ambush spread out and struck the whole city with the edge of the sword. Now the appointed signal between the men of Israel and the men in the ambush was that they would make a great cloud of smoke rise up from the city, whereupon the men of Israel would turn in battle. Now Benjamin had begun to strike and kill about 30 men in Israel, for they said, surely they are defeated before us as in the first battle. But when the cloud began to rise from the city in a column of smoke, the Benjamites looked behind them and there was the whole city going up in smoke to heaven. And when the men of Israel turned back, the men of Benjamin panicked, for they saw the disaster had come upon them. Therefore, they turned their backs before the men of Israel in the direction of the wilderness. But the battle overtook them and whoever came out of the cities, they destroyed in their midst. They surrounded the Benjamites, chased them and easily trampled them down as far as Gibeah toward the east. And 18,000 men of Benjamin fell. All these were men of valor. Then they turned and fled toward the wilderness to the rocks of Rimon, and they cut down 5,000 of them in the highways. Then they pursued them relentlessly up to uh, Gidom and killed 2,000 of them. So all who fell of Benjamin that day were 25,000 men who drew the sword. All these were men of valor. But 600 men turned uh, and fled toward the wilderness to the rocks of Rimmon, and they stayed at the rock of Rimmon for four months. And the men of Israel turned back against the children of Benjamin and struck them down with the edge of the sword from every city 
men and beasts, all who were found. They also set fires to all the cities that they came to. Now, um, I wanted to read all that chunk together so I could go back and, and just kind of highlight it. That's what took place. Um, Israel finally wins. They go. The Lord tells them he's going to go with them. He goes with them. Um, they set an ambush. Uh, maybe they didn't have a plan before. God gave them instruction or blessed their plans. This go round. And Benjamin was punished for what they did. The tribe was almost completely wiped out except for God left 600 men. 600 people got away. That's all that's left of the tribe of Benjamin, who before was tens of thousands. Now they're reduced to 600 men left behind. Um, doesn't mention women or children. There's 600 guys left behind. Because when they went into the areas, they killed everybody and they burned everything up with smoke. And so Benjamin, the Benjamites, Benjamin lost territory, lost people, almost lost their tribe in, in this exchange. And so as we go back and we look at it, if we step back a step, right, is this a win for the people of God? It's not. not. It's not a win. Even though it needed to happen, this is not a win. The Benjamites, that tribe had fallen into gross sin, punishable sin. Uh, they wouldn't submit to God's order and instruction. And so the other tribe said, hey, we got to deal with it the way God has prescribed. They tried to deal with it the way God has prescribed while not being right with God. And so they were dying in the process. Finally, they get right with the Lord. They offer the proper sacrifices. They get back into right standing with the Lord. And God gives them victory to go ahead and, and destroy the people that did this crime, that, that raped this woman to death. Now, again, you step back and look at this and say, one, God is expressing his disapproval of the sins that we looked at last week and saying that, no, that, that needs to be dealt with. Uh, I don't want that to permeate my culture. Um, but also, uh, I guess I see two things. I see one, God saying, look, there's sin. Uh, sin will be dealt with harshly. Now, I look at the Old Testament and I see sins that were punishable by death. Now I'm in the New Testament and those same sins are not punishable by death. But the Bible says God is the same yesterday, today and forever. And so something I take to heart is this. Even though a sin today, I wouldn't die on the spot for it like I would have then. I still know God's heart on the issue. Right. I might look at that thing and say, wow, as I read my Old Testament, God said that thing right there, I would kill a man. You would die that day for that sin. And even though men wouldn't die today for it, I know that that's God's heart. God said, I want that done. I don't want that out of here. And so I think as New Testament believers, we can be so rich in the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness that we forget that it's still a holy God. Right. There's still some sins and some people say, oh, aren't all sins the same? No. You know why not? All sins are the same in, in this regard. It, it, it doesn't matter what sin someone's committed and they die in their sin. They're, they're, they're going to die. They're going to go to hell. Right. So all sins are the same. If you're a liar, a murderer and a, you know, a drug addict, you know, whatever, liar, murderer, drug addict, you know, all, you know, living in rebellion against God. If you die without Christ, they all go to the same place. They all go to hell. Right. Uh, it's not like, well, liar, you, know, you catch a pass. You can go to heaven. It's just like, like white lie, you know, murderer. You got to go to hell. You know, in that regard, sin is all the same. It, it, it carries the same penalty separation and, and death and everything else. But it's not the same in this regard. There are definitely sins that their impact of those sins are worse than other sins. That's why as you read the Old Testament, there are some sins that God, if you do that sin, um, you need to offer sacrifice. You know, you do that sin, you can't fellowship for a week. You got to go get cleansed ceremonially. Get, you got to go get ceremonially cleansed before you come back into my presence. You do that sin right there, you die today. Whoa. That obviously that's a worse thing. You know, if you tell your kids, 
You know, if you do this, I'm going to put you in a timeout. If you do this, um, you can't have candy for a week. If you do this, I'm going to beat you. You know, that must be worse than this thing over here that they're going to get to sit down for five minutes for, you know. And so God has established that, that this is worse. Um, these are sins I don't want to permeate the people of God. And so when in our culture today, we see some of these very sins permeating the people of God. There are churches that are known for, you know, their, their acceptance of and celebration of these lifestyles. That's 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 an abomination. What kind of church is that? Um, what kind of church can that be? Um, it's, it's, it's a shame that that exists, that there are places that are calling themselves churches that, you know, seem to there they at least some semblance of we want to honor God, but we won't honor him his way. You know, some things that he said are sin. We're going to say, eh, we, we, we beg to differ on that. We think that was we think that God, you know, we think that's OK. You know, they're, and they're likening it to, you know, civil rights movement and, you know, being a certain race or something you couldn't change or whatever. So be, be aware of that in our culture today that um, there are those that are wanting to make these things. You know, it's all right. It's normal. Um, but we have to know that it's perversion. It was perversion then. It's perversion now. And people that die in it now, they're going to pay. They're going to die without the Lord. And the most merciful thing we can do is to engage them with the gospel because they need to hear the gospel. I can look at that and say, man, I know you don't know the Lord yet, but I want to share them with you. You know, next, as we see these tribes at war, you know, you have uh, you have tribe, this, the, the, the massive tribes of Israel, they're not right with God. They haven't been right with God for a long time. And so when disaster occurred, they weren't ready to deal with it. They didn't know their knee jerk response wasn't to have a prayer meeting. Their knee jerk response, let's get together and see, let's make, take counsel for one another. Um, you know, this is this is what happens when people get distant from the Lord. You just do what seems best to you, which, you know, this typified this era where people did. Everybody did what was right in his own eyes. And so we want to be careful as the people of God that one, we don't get distant from the Lord, that we don't weigh heavily the counsel of men and people and don't seek the Lord. Make sure you're seeking the Lord. I know Christians that weigh doctor's counsel too high. You need to go seek the Lord. You need to get God's counsel on certain things. There are places where God's counsel is what we need. The world will have people that go to school and learn. And they'll tell you what they want to put you in their system, put you in their program. Don't have faith in that. Have faith in God. Many Christians, though, if you put an MD or a doctor on the back of something, it, they, that's, that's got authority. They, that, that guy has to know more than God. And, and people won't want to acknowledge that. But why would you listen to them if what they're saying differs from have you even brought it to the Lord? Be careful that we don't look for counsel or take counsel from places that are not the Lord. The Lord's got wisdom and counsel. The Lord has all, all wisdom and all, all power. And we want to be going to him with everything. Amen? Amen. And lastly, I said it twice. I'm going to say it a third time because I know it's, it's, it's close to God's heart. Be careful about inner wars. Be careful about being at war. You make sure that you're a part of the body of Christ that's loving on the other parts of the body of Christ because that pleases Jesus. It pleases the Lord. So you don't have to worry about what's happening to everybody else. You make sure that you're part. You're part of the body, right? You make sure that the part of the body you are is a loving part, that you're loving people, ministering to people, seeking to help people, praying for people, praying with people, but don't be biting, devouring, and, you know, going to war with the people of God. There are people that you got to leave in God's hands. That happens at times. But don't be at war with God's people. 
You know, the best thing you can do. What do I do if somebody is a believer in their Tell dad. Tell dad. Tell the Lord. He got this. And uh, he'll do a whole lot better than you will. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington with a transforming word. We know you didn't have to come today to hear from the book of Judges. You could have easily switched channels or moved on with your day, doing other things. But you did choose to tune in, and for that, we're grateful. A Transforming Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Los Angeles, California. If you found these messages helpful and encouraging, why not listen to more? You can find these teachings at calvaryinglewood.org. Just look under the teaching tab. You can also download our mobile app to have these messages with you wherever. Another resource on our website is a daily Bible reading plan that might interest you. You'll also find links to Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. So head over to calvaryinglewood.org for all the information you need. And if you still haven't found what you're looking for, just call or text us. Our number is 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. As you can see, we have many ways to help you connect with God throughout your week. If you're wondering about a way you could contribute to the ministry here at A Transforming Word, we greatly value your prayers and financial support if you feel led to do so. On CalvaryInglewood.org, you'll find a Give tab that helps you know how to proceed. Thank you for your support. We hope you come back here next time as you quickly notice the effects of A Transforming Word.